Welcome to another episode of That's a Rap Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jay Rosales. This is a podcast that's by Raptors fans, for Raptors fans. And we are very happy to be talking to you today about the Raptors as they just ended a mini three-game losing streak and got back on their winning ways. Um, Who is joining me tonight? Dre, what's up? This is Dre. I'm doing reasonably well because the Raptors didn't lose to Phoenix. I would be incredibly <laughs> concerned if that was the case. So we we good. We good. I, who else is with us? Yo, shout out to Yahoo Basketball Canada because when we were down, I think we were the largest lead was 17 for the Phoenix Suns, I think. And then they were like, yo, we're going to come back and we're, we're winning this game. Uh, save this tweet later. And I did. And yo, mighty to you because I was I was low. I was like, this is the fourth four game losing streak for sure but man like we'll get into it but I'm, I'm glad we pull out that win for sure man yeah and you know i think we should just jump straight into it because uh there are a lot of questions after the the, the loss to denver i mean this is a, a squad this raptor squad that has not lost four games in a row under nick nurse and that was mm-hmm. at least for for half of the game in phoenix it was it was possible that it might happen but uh you know the raptors kind of pulled it together there in the fourth quarter um and you know before i start going into the many different points um what what was it for you guys that kind of jumped out in terms of why was it that the raptors were able to come back against the phoenix suns um you know being down three of their top seven players and you know we saw what this meant against denver we saw what this meant against charlotte like there, there is almost like a, a critical mass that is that was met by these Raptors when, um, you know, they've had a season full of, of dealing with injuries, but this combination with both centers missing and with Fred Van Bleed out, this appears to be the combo that is uh, the hardest one to overcome in, in terms of all the injuries. Yeah. So, so yeah, what did you guys think uh, about this game and how the the Raptors were able to pull through? I think it's it's Part fine. Of it is- You can kind of tell where, um, I guess, where the injury has kind of been building up and building up, and now that this team is finally feeling it, that's that's where I'm. uh, I feel when I'm watching this team, but in the the amount of heart and hustle that I watched this team uh, put out on the floor against Phoenix. I know Phoenix is not the best team to go against, but I mean they were down, like you said, Dre, like Serge Ibaka. Marc Gasol, Fred Van Vliet. Kyle Lowry basically, uh, he got slapped in the face or in the eye by uh, one of his own, by Terrence mm-hmm. Davis. And they were they were down so many players. And this this entire year, they've been, you know, flooded with injuries. But but this these this last few stretch, these last three games uh, that they've lost, you can kind of tell that it's like waning on them. And so this game in particular, it was like, no, we're not going to lose this game. And it's not going to we're not going to make any excuses. They just had so much heart, so much hustle. And you were you were cheering for them uh, as as much as you can, as much as the 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 fans were in Phoenix. Like there were so many fans in Phoenix. It was fantastic to watch. But I, this was, I tweeted this out. This was one of the, I guess the most heart I've seen from these, from these like reserves, from these players like Chris Boucher was having such a huge game. Norman Powell was going nuts. And Pascal Siakam taking all the criticism in, he knows that he, as the the new, you know, number one guy, he's taking on that responsibility head on. 
And you can tell that it was bothering him when he was having hard, bad games. And this was like, no, he's going to take over the game. There was a lot of adjustments made uh, during the halftime. And it was it was just like a well coached, well played, well heartfelt game in, in, in my books. Uh, you're absolutely right. It was the hearts, which the Raptors are known for, that can either bite them in the ass if um, if they're trying too hard to overcompensate for their flaws, or it can have the adverse effect, which is better for us. Um, they can actually show up. And I feel like part of this has to do with one of the strongest strategies Nick Nurse has ever come up with, putting guys on the journalistic chopping block. Basically, he called up the bench and said, I don't like how they've been playing the last yes. couple of days. Uh, or the last couple of games, um, they need to show up. And is it any coincidence that Boucher had a hell of a game? Is it any coincidence that it's partially our reserves that helped us with the comeback when we were when we had quite a deficit against Phoenix, which isn't quite as bad as it used to be. Phoenix, even though they're not in the winning column that much, aren't the worst team. I, I can imagine they're going to be really good down the stretch. You know, they've got a, a great young core, and unless Devin Booker goes to the Timberwolves, which is like minnesota's biggest dream right now they have a bright future so it's not like it's not embarrassing like it was when we lost to charlotte but we're going to move on from that um but either way this stretch has been embarrassing and nick nurse isn't afraid not in a in a toxic way but in a realistic way say hey listen mm -hmm. we're not doing well and i'm not gonna bullshit it's x y and z this is why we're not doing well and Every single time he does that, people pull their heads out of their rectums and we end up getting some sort of a result. And in this case, it was Boucher, Davis. Um, there was an improvement. And even from the starters, like, I feel like Siakam was in a little bit less of a rut because he forced himself to have to show up. Because I would argue that this is the most he has disappeared this season, especially in the Denver game and... Uh, especially the Charlotte game. Don't even get me started. Uh, so part of it is Nick Nurse not afraid to put his his own team on, on blast when needed. And they're like, you know what? He's absolutely right. We're a champion. We're a champion, basically. We are the world champions currently. In 20 games and in an, a an, an postseason, that's going to change. Someone else is going to get that crown. We want it to be us. I like uh, what, you, what you brought up like Nick Nurse and calling up Boucher because he he has a tendency obviously you guys know that you know in the preseason uh Ronnie Hollis Jefferson and Stanley Johnson well Stanley Johnson isn't really playing right now but Rondé um he was the one who was being called out during the preseason a uh, few uh, you know maybe yes. like quarter season way in Terrence Davis was called out right and then next thing you know the next game Terrence Davis you know puts up a career high and then now Chris Boucher he was he wasn't really been called out per se but I think Nick Nurse knew when it was time to talk to his players and Chris Boucher was having a mm -hmm. rough couple of games uh, he wasn't shooting three well he wasn't that spark plug and then now he you know said that you know, I talked to Chris and it was him that he has to come off the bench he has to be that instant spark um, and nurse just knows when and how to talk to his players when they need to you know put an arm around their shoulders and when they need just the motivation um, and it's just the, the feeling that this team has with with each other and also with its leaders with like nurse and with Kyle with Fred they just know each other this there's a camaraderie there that we can't see and and it's it's just it's just great to see. I think that they know each other to the point where, um, 
you know, a combination of what you guys were saying in terms of like, okay, well, Nick Nurse, uh, when when push comes to shove, he'll motivate the guys. But I think the guys know themselves on when to motivate themselves. With Kyle Lowry, he doesn't need to be called out. He'll never get called out because he finds time uh, a, a time within each game where something motivates him, whether it's a, a call that didn't go his way or um, you know maybe his shot's not falling. He finds something to motivate himself. And we'll, we'll probably tweet it out at least once a game where, uh-oh, it looks like the Bears have been poked. Um, mm-hmm. Siakam is, is one who, before this game, he called himself out saying, you know, against Denver, I just wasn't playing up to what I'm capable of. And look how he showed out against uh, a Phoenix. So it's kind of cool to see that um, it's not just on nurse to motivate these guys. Sometimes these guys are doing it for themselves. And um, I, I don't know who say, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say another thing about Pascal is that like he, he does call himself out and he knows when he's not playing very well. And this is the thing about with us as a fan base. And, and I would so much to say with, with the media too, is that it's very flip floppy when it comes to Pascal. He is no, he was asked now he's asked to be the number one person, number one guy, number one player. And he's taking that, you know, head on, right? But with that being said, I think that as a organization or like as a fan base, we have to stop and realize that Pascal is already light years ahead of his time. And so during this three three game losing streak there was a lot of what's going on with pascal hawking he's not doing this and he's not doing that we've been spoiled as a fan base the the growth of pascal i i think it's it's incredible and we have to kind of stop and think like he the moniker of of you know uh forcing him to be the next Kawhi was forced upon him right but it's not that he shied away from Mm -hmm. it so he's He's like we're asking him to be that superstar, and the superstar you're talking about, like LeBron, AD, Harden, those guys that who should come out and every time he's on, they're on the floor, they have to score like you know 25, 30 plus points and be the reason why we win. And from the player that he is, you know, two years ago to the player he is now is already incredible. To ask him to be that superstardom is 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 not not I wouldn't say impossible. I just feel like. The trajectory he's on, he's going to be a star. He's going to be a superstar. But he's to be ask him to be that right now and wondering why he's not that is unfair. So I, I just want to say, like, you know, we have to stop and think where where he has come from. You know, it's an incredible, incredible story and incredible to watch. And I'm so th- glad that we have that we can watch him grow as this player you know and, and i think as he's been growing you you're you're able to see how he has managed to overcome the obstacles along the way so when for example his his he uh defenders would sag off of him and he wouldn't be hitting threes he worked on that and then he developed a three-point shot um mm-hmm. you know and at the beginning of the season if you ever had him on single coverage you were toast and that's what he was feasting on uh, throughout the beginning of the season and now teams are starting to learn that, and they're starting to, you know, meet him with double teams in the in the paint, um, and that's I think he's hit another plateau in his development. So now that teams right. are starting to game plan around him, I mean, Phoenix is a bad example because for some reason they chose to keep single coverage on him. So of course he's going to feast, but come playoff time when the doubles are going to come, um, you know, I I've, I've liked his decision making. Um, maybe it, it doesn't 
when he sees a double team, it doesn't necessarily mean he'll he'll force the issue and try to draw a foul because he's just simply not there yet in terms of being able to draw fouls. But he's uh, you can mm-hmm. see the the thought process in terms of um, okay, let's try to find the open man. And you know this this offense um, at times has shown that it can be very fluid and um, help facilitate in terms of getting Pascal in right positions to for, for the offense mm-hmm. to thrive. Yeah. And and I also don't think that he's getting those star calls. I mean, like Devin Booker. Oh, definitely is, not. Is a, right, Devin Booker is a star, 100. percent But he is that that game. I'm I'm not. I guess I. It's hard to single out that just the Phoenix game. But there were so many tic tac fouls by what Norman Powell. Those really really small fouls from from Norm to Booker. That like where are these calls? Where are these calls coming from? And it's because Devin Booker is a star. Uh, in this league, and Pascal Siakam is—he's a—he's a—an uh, all-star starter. Yet he still doesn't get those calls. He's only in the last five games. He's been only averaging, you know, six free throws attempts, which means he's only been in the line three times a game. That's not enough. And that's—and I don't know if that's a knock on his game or knock on the game plan, but. I feel like it's it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of like pick and choose. Um, he has to drive, uh, take his man one on one, but also he has to get those star calls now. Like he is a superstar, um, but a lot of people don't see it yet, and uh, I guess uh, NBA doesn't see it yet either. I, it, it was just it was baffling me how many calls Devin Booker was getting. And yes, you know he is he is one of the rising stars in this league, but I mean, man, so is Pascal, man. Yeah. The problem is Devin Booker is extremely marketable. We forget because, we're, you know, when you are part of a fan base or a city which gets this superstar treatment, it's easy to overlook teams like Toronto, Memphis, um, to some extent the Spurs when they're not, you know, a dynasty team. These textbook by, you know, concrete non-super flashy teams so when you are part of this fan base like like we are we can see all of that but when you're not it's very easy to kind of just look past it and it's thus that's why you know i i would argue there are just some jerseys that are that are easier to collect even if you're like not a super big fan i love pascal siakam i imagine mostly raptors fans fans of his are going to be buying his jersey. Devin Booker, on the other hand, I feel like is much more marketable. And it's nothing to do with like a personal opinion or anything. I think it's just the guy sells more jerseys. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's been heavily pushed by the media, by all sorts of stuff. He's going to be the face of, of the Suns because the Suns have been struggling. Even though the Suns haven't been great for a while, I would argue with the Nash years, with the Barkley years, they have some sort of, you know... They have some sort of marketability. So, unfortunately, that transitions into how the games are run as well. So, you have, yeah, Pascal Siakam's absolutely a superstar. I would argue the only times that Toronto has ever been put on that much of a global scale in terms of marketability are Carter and Kawhi. Kawhi being the guy that was traded from the Spurs to us and was already an MVP of the finals, already was a champion, and Carter, who won the dunk contest and put Toronto on the map. So without these Mm -hmm. external factors, unfortunately, like always, we get the short end of the stick. So 
it's hard because <laughs> while they're very much in the very same position, except I would argue that Pascal's in a better position. I mean, the guy's won by MIP. He's a, a part of a championship-winning team, taking it back. Now he's the franchise head of this championship team without the, the MVP that was there. You know, he's in a much better position, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. the league doesn't see it that way. The league sees it as, hey, we got to sell these jerseys. How are we going to sell them? Oh, yeah, Devin Booker's a popular face. You know what I mean? Like, it, it sucks, yeah. but it's true. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, there, there is, like, some some merit to it. But, I mean, it, there is, there's obviously going to be some bias in it because and recency bias as well because, like, we were watching this game and, like, Devin Booker's getting these calls. But, I mean, like, it, it's just I, I wish there was more consistency. But talking about, like, uh, rising stars. Can we talk about OG for a second? Hey, hey, hey. Man, OG is is a star in the making. I, I and I would say that if it wasn't for last year and and you know um, for with everything that he had to go through, I, I don't blame him for having to skip the year a little bit. But man, he's been he's been on a tear right now. Man, he's like he's. Mm-hmm. OG isn't it's just he's a he's coming to his own right now you know like it's a small sample size but in the last five games he's been averaging 3.6 steals man 40% from three 15.4 points per game uh, like I'll be because of the injury his role as a, as a second and third option outside of Pascal and Larry has been very very successful and like he's 22 years old like for a kid that young to be that strong still growing into his body trying to like find balance like it, it's it's just crazy how well he's developing and to know that there's so much more um i guess the ceiling of his is so much higher than honestly i think like pascal is already there and i think there's still a ceiling that he has to hit but it's not the 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 amount or i guess from where uh, og i think he can go to isn't as like that is so much larger than what I think Siakam still has to go. You know what I mean? Like there's so much of OG's game that I like. I've yeah, got, a, I've got a lot of numbers to throw at you. So Dre, you're going to have to go first on this. Okay. I was just going to say, I think part of that's because um, I would argue OG himself didn't even realize what his, what his potential was until what was the game where he had like the, the crazy amount of steals? It was Denver, right? Yeah. He had seven steals that game. Once that guy was like, multiple times stealing and having breakaway points and dunking flashy dunks considerably considerably flashy they weren't like 360s or anything but the guy was to getting him. comfortable yeah right? considerably so, flashy to him yeah yeah so I, I would argue you know pascal sees himself as the figurehead now and he's like okay i've got to get this team into into gear um it's on me you know i i'm i'm responsible for a lot of this with og I feel like a lot of this, a lot of this is still new to him. He still mm-hmm. hasn't realized his potential yet. And once he does, the guy's going to be he's already really good. He's just got he's going to become more consistent. And once he does, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be the same thing as Pascal. I don't know if it's going to be the same thing as Fred VanVleet, but I'm foreseeing another Norman Powell situation where it's like, damn, we can rely on this guy to to like let loose in the yeah. playoffs. We can rely on this guy to get angry. It's going to be great. I agree. Like he he finishes around the rim so well, like in that tanker position. He shoots the three very well. The only knock on him I have is his dribbling. And like the I like the comparison you have with Norman Powell. Norman Powell now has been flourishing in that uh, in his role right now, but he has uh, such a I guess control over the ball. Like I would. 
uh, be more comfortable with Norm dribbling the basketball than OG. But if he gets that skill, if if you can pass him the ball where OG can kind of create his own shot, then then we're talking. Then we're talking like a like a star, like a like a top a 20, 30 player right there. Like I, I there's a huge ceiling when it comes to OG. Yeah, but I think that let me hear your stats, Jay. There's a big. I think there's a big distinction here, though, between OG and Norm. I think Norm is uh, fairly close to his ceiling since we're talking about ceilings. OG is no like Mm. he's just starting to realize it, and uh, it's it's been quite quite a scene to watch. Um, So uh, just a couple of the things out of just Sunday's game alone against Denver. So um, the, the the seven steals and 32 points. Um, that is the most uh, by any Raptor who has at least six deals, uh, most points scored um, in terms of the overall stats. So he had 32 points, at least seven rebounds, at least seven steals. Um, here are the players who have been able to accomplish that over the last 30 years. Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon, Hersey Hawkins, what? Chris Morris, Kevin Garnett, Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade, and the only other person this decade... Um, we're kind of in the 2010s here, is John Wall. That's it. To accomplish those those three numbers. Um, when it comes to... That's a, good company. And yeah, and he's the first player in Raptors franchise history to have back-to-back games of at least six steals. He had six against the Hornets. Um, this is the stat that I love. And it, it's, again, going back to the Denver game. Um, so we know that Jokic was just feasting on the Raptors, right? So Which when I... <laughs> when when I when I looked at uh, the actual like who was guarding him, so at any even if it was for a couple of seconds, there were eight different guys who guarded Nikola Jokic. Right, um, a large portion of that fell on well, not a large portion, but like he. What happened was that in terms of the time spent guarding him, um, mm-hmm. OG Anunoby spent the most time guarding. Um, Jokic than anyone else but if I look at the other seven guys combined uh, Jokic was eight of nine from the field against Anunobi he was 0 for 2 and was guarded for six minutes six of his I think 12 or I, I can't remember what the exact number is but like OG guarded Jokic three times more than anyone else on the roster and that was Randy Hollis Jefferson and yet he limited him to two, to two field goal attempts, which were both misses. One of his two mm-hmm. turnovers. He was the only one who had any success against Jokic. And he was very solid. But basically it was like whenever anyone else was guarding him, that's when he would get his buckets. Eight of nine? Like, are you kidding me? Like, he couldn't that's... be... He, he was just... He was having his way against anyone not named OG. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's that's crazy. Because Jokic is, is, is like a, he's no laughing matter. He's arguably one of the best bigs in the game right now. So mm-hmm. uh, for OG to be only a person who can like stymie him, especially because we're missing like we're missing our centers. Whether Serge decides to play or he doesn't, he's he's been off lately, and then Mark's just been out entirely, in a, like without question. So I mean, that's to me that's huge because who else on our team realistically can stop somebody like Jokic, who's a big who can well, shoot. I, I I would have liked to see. I mean, this would have been a perfect game for. I would have loved to see him go against Gasol. Um, oh, 100 percent. Just yes. because, like, against Gasol, you don't need to, to double team. Now, now these these matchup stats I'm looking at don't tell me, you know, how many doubles or triples. I mean, I, I think there was even that that screen grab of all five guys around him. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. 
So it, it's hard to say, but if you have someone like Gasol on the floor, that's just one-on-one, -on -one really. Um, and I think the I think that what is really promising about this is that um, you know we can already see that he is uh, one of the premier lockdown defenders in the NBA, um, and that is without bias. Um, you know, I was listening to the 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 Dunked On podcast, and they already have have OG as the number one lockdown defender um, in the NBA, at least in, in subjectively speaking. Um, and what this means is, what does this mean in the playoffs? I mean, you can, I, I, I would love to see how OG shut down Jason Tatum in the playoffs. I would love to see OG uh, go at it with Giannis because I fully trust his defensive capabilities. Um, he honestly makes me forget that we had Kawhi Leonard last year from a defensive standpoint. And right. you can say that very seldom uh, about anyone else in the NBA. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see this. And it, it, I think it gets forgotten that he didn't play a single game in the playoffs last year. And just right. imagine what, what that luxury would have been like in any of the, the four series that the Raptors played. Plus, can I, I mean, just put into perspective? Oh, sorry. Can I just put in perspective for like with the differences between OG and Jokic? So you said what OG uh, guarded him for about six minutes or so. Yeah. Jokic is is uh, two hundred and fifty pounds at seven foot. OG is two hundred and thirty one pounds. So you're talking about twenty pounds heavier and six point six feet. So yeah. three feet shorter, or like point point three feet shorter than Jokic. That is a big, big difference. You're talking about heavyweight versus like middleweight, and OG stood his ground. That's a 22-year-old trying to, like, not be bulldozered by a giant. Like, Jokic is a big, big man. And to to kind of carry his own, really. He, I think OG, uh, in this league, in this, uh, like, this, I guess, form of the league, is is kind of, there, there's this positionless, right? I feel like OG could technically guard players one through five. Like, he's fast enough to guard Absolutely. the guards. He's yeah. strong enough to guard the centers. And he's definitely long and 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 agile enough to guard, like, the like the forwards or the, the shooting guards, like the Jason Tatum. So, like, he, he's such a great, great defender. And he, like, yeah, sometimes he does foul uh, occasionally, of course. But, I mean, when he does, he's not arguing the calls, which I love the most. And that's why when, like... Um, Andre, when he when you're saying how OG doesn't like go any flashy or or when he goes for his dunks, he's he's not a flashy guy, right? He just right. goes about his about his way. He plays offense, he plays defense, and he plays it hard every single time. So OG is like a dime a dozen, man. And we know he can go flashy because remember the Rising Star game? The guy almost did a three sixty under. Oh yeah, three sixty. Yeah, yeah, I remember so, that. Oh, well, that's true. So that came out of that. nowhere. <laughs> exactly, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like. He can go flashy, but he chooses not to because he's all about fundamentals, which is great for a Raptors organization. Now, Jay, you brought up that he didn't play a, play in the playoffs, which is important. We need that person who's going to fill in for the Kawhi spot, which I would argue defensively is going to be OG, so he's going to have to step up. Now, he didn't play in the playoffs, yet we won a championship. To me... This guy's going to have all the hunger needed to completely dominate everything. Because it's going to be like, all right, we have to, we have to take the, the title back. we got to run it back. Part of this is on me because I've got to say, hey, 
I wasn't there to, to relish in this championship run quite as much as I would have liked to. I would have mm-hmm. loved to have been there, right? Now, mm-hmm. here I am. I'm going to make it count. We don't have a Kawhi. No problem. I'm going to be the defensive front. I'm going to be the guy who helps Gasol with the spreading of the perimeter. I'm going to be the guy that helps shut down in the paint. I'm going to be the guy that storms the paint. And guess what? Now I know how to steal. This is going to be partially on me. I'm going to make it count. He's going to have that drive that that was missing like maybe a year or two ago, right? I'm excited for this because I feel like this is, you know, if we're talking about him not having a ceiling or not having reached a ceiling yet, this could be that ceiling. We had Storm mm-hmm. and Norman. We had Fred Van Fleet with uh, FVV Jr. We had Siakam showing up in game one. We had Lowry showing up in the final game with like, what was it, 10 points in like five minutes or something crazy? Like, yeah. we need OG's time. And that's going to yep. that's gonna come. And he's got some scary opponents. We've got potentially the Pacers, Boston, 76ers, the Bucks, right? We... We have these opportunities. He's gonna show up. That's that's all I'm saying. Hey man, in in the preseason, he said that we were going to repeat, and it's with a straight face too. So I feel like he definitely, uh, he he definitely believes in this. Team. We don't know what that straight face if he's laughing or, or screaming. <laughs> I have no idea. That's true. I would hate to face him in poker. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you cannot read the man. All right, so speaking about championship, uh, the next coming game that we're recording this on a Wednesday the 4th, the next game is on Thursday uh, the 5th at a 10.30 start time, so set your clocks, uh, fans. Uh, but we are facing Golden State in Golden State, uh, not in the Oracle because, you know, famously the Toronto Raptors did shut that down, but we are going to face yep. Golden State, and Steph Curry is coming back for this game. You know what we're all thinking? The return of Boxing 1. Hell yeah. Wow. So we got Golden State on Thursday. We're staying in California and we're facing Sacramento Kings on Sunday uh, and a back-to-back at Utah on Monday. But what do you guys think for these next three games to close out this West Coast trip? Um, I really don't think Curry coming back as much as I like the Warriors. I really don't think him coming back is going to make that much of a difference. I mean, the team, no disrespect, is completely... It's not the same. Yeah, it's completely at a loss right now. So I'm predicting a win for that. Sacramento, you never know, because I wouldn't argue that they're great, but they're they're like they're like Phoenix right now, where they're they're not the worst. They have a young core team. You don't know what's gonna happen, especially with a Raptors Mm -hmm. team that's kinda kind of in a rut right now. So I'm still gonna predict a win, but you never know. As for Utah, Utah's scary. I mean, with if Gasol's not going to be back by then, and if Ibaka is A, MIA, or B, in a rut, I don't know. I feel like Utah's going to shut us down. I'm, I'm predicting a loss mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm gonna. Oh, yeah, Jason, you want to go with your... No, your I was going to say, Jay, what about you? Yeah, I've got, uh, uh, I guess, win, loss, loss. So I say a win yeah. against the Warriors... And losses to the Kings and the Jazz. The reason I bring up the Kings, I don't know what's been up with them, uh, but they are, you know, since January 24th, they are number three in the NBA with 12 wins. I mean, that's crazy to think because 
you think of who's been the hottest team since near the end of January. Obviously the Bucks and obviously the Raptors. And that you'd mm-hmm. be you'd right. be correct. But the third team is actually the Kings. Uh, yeah. They've been playing very solid. Uh, De'Aaron Fox has kind of been stepping up uh, since the All Star break. He's looking at we're looking at twenty four points, five assists, fifty percent shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I and think not only they're that, on like a six game winning streak. But yeah, go ahead. They're also they're ninth in the West too. They're a game yeah. behind the eighth spot against the uh, at the Grizz, so they have something to play for. Yeah. If, so basically, they, they how Buddy if, got his groove back. Ah, they you know. But see, the thing is, we got like if if well, Nick Nurse was on Tim and said uh, this afternoon, and he said that you know uh, Gasol and Abak and Fred VanVleet, they were the, Tim and said were asking him like, when are they going to be back? It looks like Gasol probably won't be back uh, until maybe the that back to back, same as Fred, but Serge might come back for the next game. So for the Kings, I feel like they can smell blood. And with the, that young crew, knowing that they can be, uh, with all the animosity that goes on with that uh, head office over there, I, I think they have something to prove players themselves. Maybe not the organizations, but the players themselves. They're like, you were gonna, you've been, you know, um, uh, counting us out this entire year, so we're going to go up uh, for that A spot. And I would want to see a uh, Grizzly versus Lakers 1-8, uh, but, I mean, that King versus Lakers, that that wouldn't be bad either. I just feel like the Kings have something to prove, and that's going to be a harder game that we than we realize. Yeah, I think that it also the thing with the Kings game too is like, yeah, like they, they're playing pretty well, but let's also keep in mind on, on the positive side is that they will be coming off the back end of a back-to-back. Like they're in Portland, in Portland the night before. Mm. Then they got to fly home and face the Raptors. Whereas the Raptors are going to have two days off between that Warriors game on Thursday and the and going into Sacramento. So I mean, there, there's something that's in the Raptors' favor. And to your point, we could have Van Vliet and Ibaka back. Uh, I don't know about Gasol. I mean, also the thing about Gasol is, uh, I believe it was Brad Fay of Sportsnet reported uh, about a week ago or two weeks ago that. Gasol is probably only going to play about eight, eight to twelve games between now and the end of the regular season, so I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play at all. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I don't know, I keep flip flopping on this, but right now I'll just say that the uh, and we already know uh, Sunday games are interesting with the Raptors, so yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and say that this is going to be a very uh, tight loss, and then the game against Utah that's just not fair. It's the end of a five game road trip. It's a back to back. It's the the, the guys will job. be exhausted. Um, they're already playing their hearts out, being shorthanded. Uh, that is going to be a scheduled loss. I think it's even going to be a borderline blowout. So um, well, I'm going to say a double digit loss. The yeah. Raptors ran out the the Jazz in their building. They 130, did. 110. So Pascal had 35, Freddie had 15, Terrence Davis had 13, with Surge at 13 too. So that was a straight beatdown, and I don't think that the Jazz. I don't doubt that the Jazz. Uh, remember that very fondly. So I feel like they got some revenge in their eyes. Yeah. Uh, this this next three games, it's not going to be easy. Let's just put it that way. I'm I'm not saying I'm not going to call out three losses. I'm not going to call out three wins, but I'm going to say that if we're going to win, we're going to gut out some wins, just much like we did with the Phoenix game. That Phoenix game was a lot of heart, a lot of hustle, and you saw those those red jerseys started to become real red maroon color because of the sweat, and I feel like it's going to do the same in Golden State, in Sacramento, and in Utah, but that's it for today, guys. Uh, check us out on Sunday. Uh, you'll hear a Sunday edition. We'll be back with uh, some NBA talk, but until next time, until then, Trey, where can I find you, man? You can follow me on Twitter at Andreas Babs. You can follow my film editorial and review website 
Films Fatale, that's F-I-L-M-S, F-A-T-A-L-E.com. And yeah, we're just back to movie reviews, uh, film articles, you know, film lists. Got some interesting stuff coming up. But uh, yeah, well past the Oscar stuff. I'm taking a break from that. So if that wasn't your cup of tea, you're welcome. Jay, where can we find you? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rosalasaurus. Uh, you find uh, my writing uh, and this podcast on Raptors HQ. Um, you know, I still have my weekly wrap-up column. Um, I was also a guest uh, recently on the Let's Go Warriors podcast. Um, that should be released at some point uh, soon, and I'm pretty sure you can check that out either on YouTube or I'll tweet it out when I can. Um, it'll give you a good preview before um, the finals rematch against the Warriors uh, a long-awaited one. So um, look out for that. And I think that's it from me, Jason. What's up with you? Where, yes, where can sir. we find you? You can find, you can find all of us on Twitter at That's a Rap Pod. You can email us at That's a Rap Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on all your podcatchers at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. All of us, all those podcatchers at Raptors HQ because that is our home base. Uh, I will, I might be uh, featured or uh, being a guest on the Confederation. Con, con, confederacy god that's hard to say confederacy of dunks podcast uh hopefully this week uh but make sure or next week but make sure to check us out on that's rap for any of those updates and when jay is on uh, the let's go warriors podcast uh then we'll we'll tweet that out as well but until next time boys and girls that's a break. don't worry love our ball we're not gonna see playoff lonzo this year either <laughs> <laughs>